What's up, NBA fans? So as of today, we officially have less games remaining than Phoenix Suns wins this year. So the Phoenix Suns have 16 wins right now as we speak. And we have less than that amount of NBA games left in this season. Um, a lot still to go over, including the Royal Rumble that was the NBA this week. We got punches being thrown, fans being banned for life. Russell Westbrook getting heated again. Uh, the Warriors might be, might be in trouble. And we also ask ourselves, was the Western Conference playoff race that we all hyped up over the summer overhyped? Um, we'll discuss that and more. But first, let's start off with the trivia question because I think one of the big stories over last weekend was Sunday's the Warriors' loss against the Phoenix Suns on Sunday. Uh, so prior to that game, the Warriors had won 18 straight games against that franchise, including home and away. So the last time the Phoenix Suns won, who was the leading scorer for the Suns that game? Wow, Alan, that is quite a question. And I'm a little disappointed that you didn't use the New York Knicks in your, uh, we have less games remaining than the New York Knicks have wins (laughs) (laughs) to start off because, I mean, they have 13 left. Or 13 games, and there's less than that for some of these teams. Oh, I guess you could have, yeah, I could have um, taken that angle. Yeah, but either way, oh <laughs> man, 18 straight wins. I'm going to have to say, <laughs> so they play four times every year. So that means the last time they won was five years ago. Five years ago. Oh man, who is on that roster? Steve Nash was not there, was he? No, no way. No, no. That was a few years earlier. I'll give you a hint. Gosh. The Morris Twins were on that team. <laughs> that doesn't help me at all, unless it's one of them. <laughs> no, it's not oh, one of them. Oh, jeez. Who was even on that team? I'm going to have to go TJ Warren. TJ Warren was on that team, but actually he only played one minute that game. No, <laughs> dang it. <laughs> he had a negative four plus minus zero, oh. literally one minute and just zero across the stat line other than that negative four. He plus wasn't minus. ready yet. He no. wasn't ready. <laughs> he was not ready. So the answer is Isaiah Thomas with 22 points. <laughs> oh, what? I completely forgot he was on that team back then. He went four for 13. Second leading scorer was Goran Dragic with 19. Um, oh, boy. So this was a team that had Gerald Green scoring 19 points. Hey, oh, dude, Gerald Green, he still comes in clutch for the Rockets. Dude, I, I like that guy. He's a good player. Yeah, I will say I was impressed that you guessed the amount of years back. So this game was November 4th, <laughs> 2014. So, yeah, five wow. years ago. Dang. Yeah, that's impressive, and I think it's even more impressive that they did win this game because <laughs> it's the Warriors we're talking best in the West Warriors versus worst in the West Suns, and I don't know if it was a matter of them just completely underestimating them or not caring about them, but yeah. these are still NBA teams at the end of the day. Devin Booker is an NBA player. Yeah, I think that was pretty surprising and if anybody bet on the suns winning that game if there was literally anybody out there they walked away happy <laughs> yeah or unhappy because they're trying to lose games they're trying to stay in that top uh top three spot in the in the tanking race that's true that's true the tank war so we'll definitely be discussing that but let's go into the the wwe royal rumble that occurred in the nba <laughs> this week i mean it was a mess. Oh, wow. It, it all really came mostly from just one day. Oh, yeah. True. Yeah, it was just one day. I forget. It was Monday or Tuesday. I think it was Monday, but it was just absolute insanity going on. Like, 
not all physical altercations, but verbal, mental for sure. <laughs> and yeah, let's, let's let's get going here. So we'll start off with Russell Westbrook getting into it with a Utah Jazz fan, uh, allegedly a couple that insulted him during the game uh, using racial slurs um, from the courtside seats. And uh, Russell Westbrook apparently called him out saying he was going to beat him up. And his wife, who was wow. also hurling insults at the same time, and uh, in m- much worse words than the ones I just used. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's that's a stunner, right? Like you've got to be stunned. Like, I mean we well, we know what allegedly was said because Russell Westbrook expressed it, Patrick Patterson expressed it, Raymond Felton um, all have his back, basically reinforcing what Westbrook Westbrook claims was said. Um, but the fan, though, was interviewed after the game, and he said he didn't say what uh, Russell Westbrook claims he said. He basically, he claims all he said was um, something about the ice that was on his knees or something. Um, and he seemed pretty calm about it, uh, though, uh, obviously, after the game, the Twitter <laughs> mob came after this man, uh, yeah. pulling back tweets on him. And this the fan was... Uh, obviously to avoid all this attention and I'm sure he couldn't stand his phone blowing up. He deleted his Twitter page as well as the rest of his family. Um, and also on top of that plans to file a lawsuit allegedly against Russell Westbrook. (laughs) So this is just like become a huge mess. Um, I mean, and I mean, here's the thing about it. Like if there, it's really hard to figure out what exactly was said and what the intention was, unless you were actually there. So it kind of becomes a he said, she, or he said, or he said, and which side you're taking. Um, but at the end of the line, for at the end of the day, for me, um, I think it doesn't really matter what was said. If it was something violent or racially based, um, I think that's really crossing the line. Um, if you, yeah. if you can take, th- if you, we can use that to describe it. Because I mean, the fact that fans go and, um, hurl insults or get competitive just as much as players do like that just happens and players get called they suck or they can't make shots I don't think you can avoid that but crossing the line I think there's a point there um and if Westbrook feels this fan crossed the line then it does kind of suck for the players that they don't have some form of protection or the league tends to give the the fan the benefit of the doubt yeah and not that it matters like whose side is right on this one but I, I do seem to think that Westbrook is in the right here. Not not in what he said, but in his version of the story. Um, because of what happened last year in the Utah Jazz OKC playoffs when the similar thing happened where Russell Westbrook was saying, yeah, I was getting derogatory comments from fans, and fans in Utah are just way more vulgar than fans in other places that he's played. And even in this game specifically, 23 minutes in, five fans were w- issued warning cards mm-hmm. from security um, so that goes all back up what Russell Westbrook was saying, but so, I mean, at the end of the day with the jazz banning the fan permanently, like that goes to show like they're looking to protect the players. And I mean, I think Russell Westbrook is willing to be the martyr, um, martyr, meaning that he was just fined $25,000, right. Um, for this cause to at least protect the players from aggressive heckling from fans during games. Like I, I think we, everyone's got to keep it civil. Yeah. It's just a game. I think so. Yeah, at the end of the day, it is a game. So when you cross the line of insulting a man's family or race or uh, something outside of just basketball, like I think that's uncalled for. And 
unnecessary mm-hmm. so unnecessary and i mean <laughs> oh completely yeah and i mean it's a it, it's such a privilege i think that the nba allows fans to even be that close to the game i mean soccer the nfl the mlb none of these sports let you sit that close to two players right. like, like, you basically touch them if you wanted to yeah not that you should but you could <laughs> like, you should <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you have rondo sitting courtside at the game himself yeah <laughs> in, in the sa- same seats the fans can sit in yeah so but I, th- I think i think um my my point here the last one i want to make is that there's a right way and a wrong way for people to react to what happened to here and yeah. i think the wrong way is what we mentioned before is where the Utah fan had to delete his Twitter page because people were cyberbullying him back. That's right. that's just bringing the cycle full circle. It's like fighting fire with fire. Like that is not the right way to handle something like this. The right way to handle something like this is to do what this other Utah Jazz fan did was start a GoFundMe campaign to raise $25,000, which is the same amount that Russ got fined to be donated to the Human Rights Campaign Foundation, uh, which protects all humans' rights equally and advocates for everyone to be treated equally of course and so far that campaign's raised over nine thousand as of tonight wednesday night march 13th and that that is an awesome move by somebody and a great way for people to back this versus just blasting a guy on twitter and making him feel bad yeah um just because he made someone else feel bad yeah and i think i i I agree with you 100 percent um and i didn't know about that story that's pretty awesome to hear and yeah i think when something like this happens it's super easy to react in sort of like a black and white mentality of like oh you're either with russell westbrook or you're with this guy and you disagree with russell like i think russell westbrook is has a little bit of blame in that i mean he kind of um instigates things with fans at times and he gives them the attention <laughs> they want. I'm um, not not, right. not that he's completely to blame, but um, I think like he did react kind of aggressively as well and put himself in a bad spot. So the NBA had to ha- give him this fine, but the fan is also to blame. And I think at the end of the day, he isn't a representation of all Utah Jazz fans. And I think I think that's agreeable across the board. Um, so he got what right. he got had coming, but I think at the end of the day, the Utah Jazz. Um, franchise did do what was needed for themselves to kind of make a claim and Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert came out as well and Donovan Mitchell gave out a statement and sort of uh, let themselves be heard and known that you know they're a franchise that's here to not only provide fans with an entertaining basketball game and um, civil experience but also give that as well to the players Right. And it's like, how can you make derogatory racial comments towards a guy on the other team when your team has people of the same exact race? Yeah. You know, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And it's like Donovan Mitchell the same way. It's like, I'm personally hurt by the incident as a black man living in the community I love that hits close to home. Racism and hate speech hurts us all, and this isn't the first time something like this has happened in our arena, alluding to the last playoffs games against OKC. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's just like you look at that and it's like, how, yeah, how are you supporting your team that like, if, if you like are racist, like you're racist against your own team too. So like, why are you even saying things against the other team? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I agree. yeah, it's just, uh, it's so, it's so ridiculous. Yeah. I think hopefully we look back at this moment and maybe this is like a turning point in terms of policies across the board for all sports because I mean, the reality is, like, this isn't a unique situation. I mean, you only have to go back maybe 30, 20 years uh, back to the civil rights movement. And there's a lot of stories of a lot of players who took a lot of uh, very aggressive, violent, and racially charged um, verbal abuse from fans when they would go into Mm -hmm. arenas. So hopefully this is a turn in sort of, like, shifting 
fan culture and um, as well as uh, bringing awareness to the leagues to try to put some policies in place to protect fans and most importantly also protect the players. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Let's move on to another fight that happened on this night, but I think this one's a little more on the entertaining side versus the <laughs> the more sensitive side. Yeah. You got Serge Ibaka versus Marquise Chris in a WWE SmackDown. <laughs> this was this is laughable. <laughs> this is just laughable. I mean, I don't really understand. Like, I guess Marquise Chris must have given him some verbal assault as well um, to to instigate this reaction. But here's the thing that I found really laughable about this: is Serge Ibaka is an NBA veteran. He's been in this league for I don't I'm I'm gonna guess what ten at least ten at years least now ten years yeah, yeah it's gotta be something like that he's twenty nine years old about to be thirty he's a grown man he has a family Marquise Chris on the other <laughs> hand he's a kid he's twenty one he's a kid yeah it's like how do you let this kid get under your head and I, I don't know I mean age is just a number at the end of the day I mean Serge Ibaka could act like a twenty year old for all we know true and it seems like it if he's instigated by what seems like just mincing words with this kid. <laughs> This yeah. literal kid. And yeah, he goes for the chokehold a little <laughs> bit. He pushes him around, goes for a big right jab and just completely misses him. Thankfully, honestly, for Marquise Chris, that would have hurt. Yeah, I saw an SB Nation or like an, uh, no, not from SB Nation. It's from The Athletic. Um, and the, the headline was, why does Serge Ibaka's punches always miss? <laughs> I didn't get Blind a chance. rage, man. Yeah. Blind rage. I didn't get a chance to read it. I unfortunately do not have an athletic subscription, but I was thinking about getting it just to read that article. But it has a point. I mean, if you look back at the other fights he's had, so this is the third fight. Um, he's got one against James Johnson last year, and that one also went into punches. James Johnson gave the jab to Ibaka. Ibaka swings, misses. Um, <laughs> and then there's another one against Robin Lopez. Again, his shots oh, miss. There's a lot of there's a lot of pushing, but uh, no punch at, punches actually land from Ibaka's side. Um, but anyways, at the end of the day, this guy's getting three game suspension, and Marquise Chris is getting Oof. one game, which I actually think three games is really lenient. I thought he was gonna get five or six. Yeah, especially as a repeat offender too. Man, I hope that I hope that missed punch was worth it for him. <laughs> that's yeah. that's like worth that's gotta be worth like hundreds of thousands of dollars, that one punch. Three games worth of suspension. Yeah, I mean when you consider so Brandon Ingram got four game suspension, so I guess well Ingram did actually land a punch and it was part of a group brawl. <laughs> so I guess that's, that's an the expensive deduction. punch, man. That's yeah. an expensive punch. But I mean, the thing is though, Ibaka shouldn't be doing this type of stuff. This guy is still important for this Toronto team who might still have a, a shot at chasing after that number one seed if all things go right and the Bucks lose a couple games here and there. I mean, so they got a they're three games behind Milwaukee right now, and they have a five game lead against the 76ers. And with 15 or so games remaining, they're not really completely in the clear yet. Yeah, I wonder if if part of losing is cool had to do with them getting blown out by the Cavs, one twenty six to one hundred in yeah. that game. Which I mean, it's embarrassing that you are getting upstaged by what is possibly the worst team in the East, mm -hmm. but. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like you don't see Clay Thompson, Draymond Green trying to punch out Devin Booker just because the Suns beat the Warriors, you know? Exactly. Like, yeah, you got to you gotta be the better man. I mean, the age difference here is Kevin Durant to Devin Booker. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like that, which would be like, dude, are you serious? Yeah, come on, man. Come, on. I think I. Come on, Ibaka, you're a grown man. Move on. I mean, who is Marquise Chris, anyways? He had two points who in this Marquise game. Who is Marquise Chris? Who are any of these guys that he fights? James Johnson, <laughs> Robin Lopez. It's like, dude, who are you trying to who are you trying to prove yourself to right now? Yeah. And on that note, let's go to the Tankathon. And the Cavaliers are a full <laughs> member of this race here. Oh, a yeah. race to the bottom, a race to Zion Williams. I mean, we might as well just like change the name of this because it's all about that kid yeah yeah the, the, the race for zion update man so i mean the knicks they're pretty much firmly at the best chance to get zion at the sharing that 14 percent chance now that the nba draft lottery rules have changed over to discourage tanking a little bit but you're still gonna see definitely a good amount of it here at the end of the season maybe a little less than in seasons past i mean we're seeing the suns actually fighting mm-hmm. um in some of these games and um, so yeah, you have the the Knicks, the Cavs, the Suns in the bottom three with a fourteen percent chance, followed by Chicago, who's firmly in fourth with a five game lead over Atlanta, who's in fifth, and the Mavs are in sixth, and they're looking at a thirty seven point two percent chance to keep their pick right now from the Hawks. But if they don't, if their pick falls six or higher, the Hawks will have right now would be the fifth pick and potentially the sixth pick in the draft this year. Wow. this so That's pretty juicy. Yeah, this might end up being a pretty good draft as well. Um, so. The thing is, though, if you're the, the Hawks, you don't really have a shot if you end up with five and six at any of the Duke boys right. and the Duke boys are really the, like the, the prizes of the draft this year. Otherwise you're looking at taking more of a risk. Um, so it, it's good for them, but also maybe not too big of a deal. I guess that's such a weird position to be five and six. Like do you just package those up and maybe try to get a good player out of this. Maybe you can get Bradley Beal. Ooh, now you're now you're thinking creatively. I like this. This, <laughs> this is some fun speculation. I mean, it's definitely very possible. I mean, the Wizards got to be desperate for retooling their roster at this point. Um, that could really be a big move for them to get two top six lottery picks um, for Bradley Beal and pairing up Bradley Beal with Trey Young, John Collins with that core is definitely something to be watching out for yeah i mean and then you got you got cap space i mean if you really wanted to accelerate uh your quote-unquote rebuilding process and get back in the playoffs you resign you you trade for bradley beal and then you resign you sign somebody out there um if you can get Mm -hmm. i don't know let's say jimmy butler or a tobias harris like oh yeah you're you're a top seven team in the east just with that yeah, hard to pry either of the guy, those guys from the 76ers, but I mean if you if you were one of those players like you got to be looking at Trey Young and John Collins as an attractive option cuz these guys are ballers. Yeah. And they're very young and they have a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side of that, say the Mavs are able to keep their pick and maybe they are able to get one of the Duke boys. Uh you pair that him up with a with a Luka Doncic and a Kristaps Porzingis and whoever else they can get in free agency. Um, that's an interesting team too, um, and it definitely accelerate the Mavs' development of their roster by at least a good amount. Maybe not fully a fully fledged contender yet, but getting one of those top guys would be huge for the Mavs, who are definitely trying to tank at this point. And it is super obvious based <laughs> off their trade deadline moves. Yeah, I love it. Atlanta and Dallas are at least making moves prior to this tank to just try to make themselves better. Um, 
on whereas on the other hand you got the Knicks who are basically just hoping for faith or some ultra superpower to come and intervene and give them Kevin Durant <laughs> or Kyrie Irving and the Cavs. Yeah, Kevin Durant, man. I, I don't know what the Cavs are doing. The Suns just keep making bad picks. They just need to figure <laughs> out how to, how to The get Cavs just need order. one of the the Cavs need one of these top 3 picks, man. So they they're in position to do what they need to do. The Suns are interesting because if they're able to keep Kelly Oubre, they've proven that they can win games as of late. Um, once they start to mesh a little bit and getting one of these top three picks for them would be really interesting. Although I feel like since you're still talking about young guys, you're looking at still not being able to compete for another few years because Aiden's still young. Ubre and Booker are still under 24 years old. Mm-hmm. Like you just don't have any veteran presence on that team that can carry these guys through a full season. Yeah. And the West is still just as tough as ever. So they're going to need some free agent to really go their way as well. Because, um, yeah. I mean, you would be banking on Josh Jackson or Dragon Bender and some of these guys they no. drafted before <laughs> that to be hitting their stride. But these guys are just not not really yeah. doing much to help the roster. And Alex Len, who you just let go of to the Hawks, is actually like looking like a decent player over there. <laughs> and it's just funny how that happens when they leave Phoenix. I don't really know why that is. Yeah. But yeah, on the flip side of the lottery, you're looking at the Lakers currently in 12th overall in the league with a 1.5% chance to get that number one pick and a 7% chance to land in the top three right now. So, I mean, according to LeBron, they're not going to keep tanking. They're going to try to win out all the games, even though a lot of people think it makes more sense for LeBron to sit out the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, let Andre Ingram run the show. But, I mean, I, I mean, you got to have some pride as a Laker fan, at least. And as a Laker player, you got to at least get more wins than you had last year, that's, I and, think. Yeah, and that's the point I was going to bring up. <laughs> it's like... Man, if we go through all this and we tank and we end up winning less than 37 games again, um, or whatever it was at 35. It was 35, yeah. 35 games. That, that's a disaster. Like, what oh, the Absolute hell? disaster. Like, I don't care how many injuries you had. LeBron was playing on this team for, like, a good 60 games this year. And you're telling me you couldn't win over 35 of those? Yeah, we can't keep walking backwards <laughs> here, man. We've... Yeah, we're not making the playoffs, but come on. Let's just get 37. 37 or 37. <laughs> Man, oh, how the expectations have fallen. Yeah, and then I just kind of wanted to touch on this same point with the Memphis Grizzlies, who I thought were going to be a contestant for this tankathon, but they've actually put themselves a good stretch of games um, here, uh, winning against the Blazers, Utah, and OKC to kind of get themselves out of this race um, and avoid <laughs> giving or and give the Celtics um, – um, not or basically not give the Celtics back a, a solid pick since um that pick is top eight protected. So they're trying to just basically give them something like the 11th or the 12th pick by hopefully winning some more games on their side. So I guess that's respectable on Memphis's side. And that stretch also gave Mike Conley the Western Conference Player of the Week. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. I mean, these teams are going to keep fighting. Maybe this is part of um just the new lottery system. Maybe it is discouraging Memphis from tanking because they're like, well, even if we try to lose, there's so many teams still below us. Like we still only have like at best, like an 8% chance to get the number one pick. It's mm-hmm. pretty low. Yeah. Our, our guys need some development. So let's go out there and play some real NBA games Yeah, and just give it our all. I mean, the players are going to give it their all no matter what. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it, it all falls on the front office and the coaching staff all supporting them. It seems like they do because Memphis is a city with a lot of pride. So I, I'm proud that they're, they're continuing to fight, continuing to win some of these games down the stretch here. Yeah, they're not bringing in the reinforcements that are Kobe Simmons. Yeah. Uh, you, <laughs> who are some of those characters? Kobe that? Simmons, Ivan Rab. Um, oh, man. Kobe Simmons was my favorite, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> they just had a whole platoon of oh, yeah. G, G League. League squad <laughs> yeah, rolling they, in. And now, and now the Lakers are doing that. So it's oh. funny how it, that kind of repeats itself there. But you know what? There is still a chance that Memphis keeps their pick. They're in seventh right now. Um, in that race to the bottom, they can still afford to win a few more games. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, yeah, if they win too many, you're looking at Boston potentially getting a number nine pick, which that would be pretty impressive. Yeah, I think if you're Memphis, you, I don't know if it's possible, but maybe just try to get up there with, um, with the Lakers and give Boston. I mean, maybe this is just my Laker fan talking, but I just do not want to <laughs> see Boston with another top ten draft pick this year. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're already going to get Sacramento's pick. They're going to get the Clippers pick more likely than not now since it's going to. they're pretty much in the playoffs at this point. So here's a quick uh, trivia for you right here. Um, so, okay. so how did the Celtics get this pick? Like, what player did the Memphis get for this pick? I think it was Jeff Green. Oh, you're right, Jeff Green. Yeah. Crazy. Wow. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty happy with myself that I knew that. <laughs> but yeah, a first round pick for Jeff Green, man. How well did he play that year before? Where there and Memphis was like, yeah, this guy's worth a first rounder. I mean, he was playing pretty good at that time. He was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, he had just gotten off his big surgery, and there was, you know, it kind of looked like he was going to get back to being that that young athletic prospect that he was in OKC. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, things just didn't pan out that way. Right. Oh, yeah. I remember the the Kevin Durant, Jeff Green days before yeah. Russell Westbrook was there. Wow. That's fun. Yeah. It's <laughs> about injuries here. We talking about injuries and just guys not panning out as a result of that. Brandon Ingram out for the rest of the year with um, – do you want to take a shot at pronouncing this, Sean, for me? <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish you had done it, but I'll, it's, I, it's deep venous thrombosis, which is basically a blood clot. Wow. Yeah. So unlike, so this is what I, what I keep, I mean, I'm not going to pretend I'm a medical expert from what I keep reading about. The reason this is a big deal is because blood clots, um, I guess are less impactful, uh, to an athlete, to an athlete's career when it's a result of a surgery or a result sort of like of later on in life. But when it's something that occurs this young, um, in this, at, in this way, um, it can be a little bit alarming just because it makes it it makes the formation of blood clots a little bit more unpredictable. Hence, that's why Chris Bosh, um, Chris Bosh's career had to end as teams were more unwilling to take on a player with a condition like this. So it's a little bit of a cautionary tale here with Brandon Ingram. And I mean, it looks like things are going to be OK, but it does kind of uh, bring up some questions of like, wow, um, have we seen the best days of Brandon Ingram? Which is scary because I mean, he was just starting to get pretty good. It seems mm-hmm. like becoming a good NBA player, and yeah, you see what like if you you look on one side of the spectrum, you're like, oh wow, he could be Chris Bosh, and his career is just over, mm-hmm. which would be awful because at least Chris Bosh had a very flourishing career yeah. for a lot of seasons. Brandon Ingram never really got takeoff for his career. But then on the other side, guys like Anderson Verjao had surgery for or had a surgery for a blood clot, and he was fine the rest of the season. Like he didn't even really miss much time. Um, so I mean, Brandon Brandon Ingram's uh, therapy right now is just having to take blood thinners for a few months. 
um, without really doing any activity, basketball activity. And so hopefully he'll be ready come June, come July, and that everything goes smoothly. I'm sure they'll be monitoring his his progress and his status closely. And yeah, I gotta wish the guy nothing but the best. Yeah, just another just a shin shin kick crushing, to the Lakers, crushing blow. Yeah, I mean. It's just I like a shin kick. I think is the best way to describe this. It's not a punch. It's a shin kick because shin kicks, you know, from a little kid, you don't see those coming, but they hurt. <laughs> they hurt. Yeah, they hurt like a mofo. <laughs> yeah, and that's what this is. It just you didn't see it coming, and it hurts, and it's and it just lingers because not only are we talking about Brandon Ingram's career, but his trade value taking a big hit. I'm I'm gonna guess here. I'm not sure oh, yeah. how many Good GMs. luck trading for Anthony Davis after this one. Yeah, like I don't, I'm not sure if any GM out there wants Brandon Ingram. I think they're going to want Kuzma, Alonzo, or maybe if they wanted all three, this just lessens that pot. Um, right. And yeah, maybe they don't even want Lonzo at this point because he's been declared out for season. Also, just never recovered from that grade three ankle sprain and bone bruise he sustained on January 19th this year. And at this point, they're not competitive, so he's just shut down. Um, never really fully recovered and doesn't need to recover at this point. So, yeah. And these young Lakers just, they can't stay healthy. This is the case with Lonzo last year, too. He couldn't stay healthy. Exactly. And that's the thing about Lonzo is this isn't, I mean, this is just another thing uh, onto the list in his short, in his two years he's been playing in the NBA. He just can't stay on the floor for more than, I don't know, 30 games, it seems. Um, Right. It's ridiculous. This guy's so young. He should be, his metabolism should be at its all time high. Yeah. And I can, I see it on Twitter. People uh, blaming the Lakers training staff. Um, and I'm not sure if that's what it is. It doesn't really seem whether or not these are even chronic injuries that Lonzo Ball keeps sustaining. They almost seem just random. So much of it, I think, right. it just seems to be attributed to weakness. Um, I think he just needs to get in there with some physical trainer or physical therapist and just develop some strength in his legs to, uh, he's because he seems so lanky. So, um, he's a big guy. Yeah. yeah. He just doesn't seem strong out there on the floor. Yeah. And then, like we saw that he, he gained a lot of muscle this year too. So you'd think that would have helped a little bit, but maybe he just put it all in his arms. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, that's, that's just the story of the Lakers this year. So hopefully these guys come back stronger next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, man. It, uh, Lonzo, Lonzo has so much promise, man. He's gonna prove people wrong if he can actually have a normal season. I hope so. We'll see. So let's go to big deal and forgetful here. So Vince Carter stating that he'll return next year for his twenty second season. So he's about to play Ooh. more NBA than Marquise Chris has been alive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. Thank you for bringing that back. <laughs> Man, that's insane. Vince Carter, man, we talk about LeBron James longevity. Vince Carter's been in the league for 22 years starting next season. And he just, he still plays a role on that Hawks team. I mean, albeit they're not a very good team, but he makes the regular rotation and he can shoot the three now. Mm -hmm. And he still shows flashes of his old self. He can still get up. He still has some athleticism, although it's only like he can play 15 minutes a game, but... I mean, he could still be a really good mentor for some of these locker rooms and he still contribute on the floor at least a little bit. Yeah, and he plays his role and he plays it, you know, not exceptional, not elite, but good enough. Good enough yeah, to keep just, a job in the NBA. 
Yeah, super humble guy too. I mean, to be able to come back for your 22nd season, you're not going to expect much from yourself. And this is a guy that's been at the highest level of NBA skill and caliber. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I-, I love having Vince Carter around still. Yeah, I guess this is a contrast from like Carmelo Anthony, who, you know, he could still play in the NBA, I'm sure, but probably wants to play for a contender. Whereas on the other side, you have Vince Carter here, who's just like, I just want to play, you know, and if yeah, that means playing game. for one of the worst teams in the NBA and all I do is just shoot threes for 15 minutes, sure, then that's what yeah. I'll do. Totally, man. Well, yeah, I, I think the Hawks are going to bring him back or maybe the Raptors. Maybe he wants to end it with the Raptors, and that's why he's coming back for another season. That would be pretty cool. See how it goes. Yeah. But I, th- mm-hmm. I think that's a big deal. I think it's cool. Yeah. No, it's totally a big deal, man. That's a lot of seasons. Yeah. How about Lou Williams, your boy, passing Del Curry for yeah. most bench points in NBA history? Woo. Man. Well, part of this is I didn't know Del Curry was the leader. I thought I thought for sure Jamal Crawford was the bench point leader. I but... just never even thought about <laughs> that stat. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't notice until, yeah, they brought it up, the, like, last week or so, and, like, Lou Williams passed Jamal Crawford, and then two games later, he passes Del Curry, and, man, it's looking like Lou Williams is going to have an untouchable amount of bench points by the end of his career, honestly. Like, he looks like he's still got a lot in the tank, and he's been playing some of the best basketball of his career this year, um, even especially when Tobias Harris got traded. Um, he stepped in and filled in that scoring that Tobias Harris had for the Clippers, and, has kept the Clippers as competitive as ever, man. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're in sixth seed. I did not see that coming. You know, when that trade went down, I was like, okay, I'm not really sure. Sh- I mean, you said they were tanking. Other people said oh, they yeah. were tanking. I was reading, but then I was like, I was thinking, I was like, I'm not sure if this team is really tanking. Like, it's still like a pretty decent <laughs> team. And what do you know? Here they are. Yeah, what do you know? I'm here to eat crow, man. Yeah, should... Lou, Lou Williams made me eat crow. <laughs> Patrick Beverly made me eat crow. This Clipper team is going to be in the playoffs. 97% of outcomes will say so. Yeah, and I think so. I think right now it's just a matter of where they're going to finish. It, they're in the playoffs. Um, and Lou Williams, I think I'm going to bite my own prediction here. I, he's the sixth man of the year. I think it's Thank a done deal. <laughs> I mean, I just, I was like, this team's not going to make the playoffs. How are you going to give this award to that guy? But no, they're, they're a playoff team. He's going to get the sixth man of the year. Another one for the trophy case for him. Um, <laughs> big deal here. Big career yeah. move for him. Big deal, Not man. an all-star, and- but I bet he's going to make the Hall of Fame thanks to this. Right, and honestly, though, like, man, he is playing at an all-star level right now, yeah. which is it's really cool to think about. And, man, I think he's almost going to be starting a trend of, like, sixth-man scorers <laughs> that are willing to come off the bench because Jamal Crawford was kind of the architect of the sixth man in a way. Like, he's really started this trend of guys being like, I can come off the bench and create a spark instantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, microwave players is what they call them, and... I feel like this is the start of the rise of a new sixth man. Like Dennis Schroeder is now that for OKC. Um, you're seeing that with uh, Spencer Dinwiddie in New in uh, New Jersey. I, I just feel like this is kind of a new position forming, like where it becomes a must-have on a team if you want to compete. Yeah, and I mean that's what James Harden was for that OKC team in the final. Yeah, um, totally. Eric Gordon for the Houston Rockets last year. Um, I think that is an important thing, important uh, role to have on your team. 
Um, let's see, who do the Warriors... I mean, the Warriors have Iguodala. The Warriors have five all-stars, so they don't need one, but... <laughs> that's true. And I guess... Otherwise... Yeah, yeah, and I guess that's what you could say um, the Bucks are still missing on their squad. You can say that's yeah. what Toronto is still missing in a way as well. And that's kind of what they tried to do with Brogdon for a while, and that didn't really work out. So they put in the starting lineup, and you really, you have Miritich, at, and it's kind of like who they're looking at as their sixth man. Yeah, and I think Denver's trying to build that with Isaiah Thomas, but... I don't know if that's really working yeah. out at this point. And I mean, why don't we just talk about that as Isaiah Thomas doesn't play on Tuesday's game against the Timberwolves Ouch. and uh, Mike Malone coming out saying it's about what I think is best for our team. And I made the decision to shorten the rot- the rotation only played eight guys in the first quarter. And I'm going to continue to do that for the time being big deal or forgetful here. Isaiah Thomas looks like he might have fallen off of this rotation. Yeah, this this is a big deal, man. I mean, it's a big deal because he's not getting the opportunity that he needs to come back from an injury like he had. Yeah. It's like you can't expect a guy. He's only been playing for a few weeks, for a month maybe, and you expect him to just come off and just be the same old Isaiah Thomas. You're crazy. Yeah. Like, look at what Gordon Hayward's – Gordon Hayward's had every opportunity this year to become the player that he was before, and he still isn't there. And you think Isaiah Thomas is going to get there in a few weeks? Well, I mean, it's all a matter of a circumstance, too. If he was on a team that wasn't trying to compete in the play- for playoff positioning and was in a very contentious spot right now, um, maybe it would be a different story. But for the Nuggets, it's just not the right place, right time for Isaiah Thomas. And it's just too bad because he's going to get another one-year prove-it contract next year, more likely than not, uh, most likely a minimum again. And hopefully he lands in a better situation, but... Yeah, it's a big deal that he's, his development is going to be stunted a little bit by not being able to play NBA minutes. Yeah, another hurdle in his career. But I still could foresee another opportunity coming for him this year. I think I could see it, man. When they get in the playoff and the playoff series gets close, I could see Mike Malone just being like, let's take a gamble. Let's see what you can do out there, Isaiah. And I could see him uh, just exploding for like 25 points in a playoff game. Um, I just I can I can't see it not not with how rusty he's looked so far. Let's not forget this man is still practicing. I mean, maybe maybe he practice did. is practice, man. You know you know that doesn't help. We'll see. NBA playoff game. You <sighs> never know. There are always <laughs> unlikely heroes in the NBA playoffs every year, and maybe Isaiah Thomas is one of these guys in the second round or in the first round or something. He has that one oh. game. Speaking of unlikely heroes, how about this one? The Lakers re-signing probably the biggest fan favorite to come out since Kobe Bryant, Andre Ingram, signed <laughs> to a 10-day contract. That, I'd say oh, Pal Gasol I, I, is I, there. I, you got no. Pal Gasol, Lamar, Odom, come on. Dude, when you're talking about how much fans love a player, Andre Ingram has got to get the most love out of any player I've ever seen. And not just from Laker fans, from... NBA fans across the nation just feel for this man <laughs> and know his journey through the G League, spent years there making pennies, working a second job as a math tutor <laughs> to support his family, and then you get a 10-day contract from the Lakers and all of a sudden your dreams been realized. And I don't know if you saw that video of him getting the call from the Lakers front office saying that he's going to get re-signed fir- this year to another 10-day contract. Oh, this, is that the video? This isn't the first video. With his friends. Oh, this is With, the second he's, one. He's, yeah, where he's like on the phone and his friends are there and it's on speaker and they're all super excited for him. That video went viral. That and was- man... 
That's stage. That's got to have been stage. <laughs> oh, no he way, knew that dude. Was that was nothing I'll but genuine. I'll tell you why he knew that was coming. Oh, as God. soon as he saw the Lakers playoff odds were almost zero, he's like, all right, they're going to bring me in. I'm the smoke. I'm the smoke. He's the smoke to distract us from the reality that this franchise continues to make horrible moves. And yet again, we're gonna, we might lose more. We might win less games than we did last year. And we have LeBron on our team. Come on. This is just smoke, man. Nothing against Andre Ingram, but God, man, Magic is just trying to catch, make us all look like fools here with this feel-good story, and it oh, is a feel-good story, but... <laughs> Come on! I don't this care. Is, this I don't care if it's a smoke or not, dude. I'm I'm breathing in all the smoke because I love me some Andre Ingram. I love I love the blue collar story, man. This is for Breeze to hide the stench. <laughs> the stench. I like for Breeze. <laughs> this is that's all this is, man. It's just for Breeze to hide the stench Aww. that exists in the room that is the Lakers organization right now, <laughs> and I'm not buying it. It's forgetful. Andre Ingram, have a good last 15 games for this team. I don't know. I'm sure they'll give you another 10-day contract. (laughs) He'll eat that up, bro. (laughs) He makes more money on those 10-day contracts than he did the entire year. (laughs) I'm sure he is, and it's good for him, but I am not going to buy this feel-good story and fall in love with it. This is forgetful. Let's move on. All right, fine. Let's let's talk about let's talk about uh, our boy Mike Conley winning Western Conference Player of the Week out of nowhere. Yeah. Um. With the with the tanking, seemingly tanking Grizzlies, all of a sudden catching a little bit of fire under Mike Conley, um, just going off last week, and Andre Drummond winning in the East. Two unlikely heroes. You you would normally think it'd be Kevin Durant and Giannis or James Harden and Kawhi Leonard, but. Yeah. I mean, th- I-, I like seeing guys like this win this award. It's just funny. This late in the season, Memphis is playing for nothing other than to give the Celtics <laughs> a worse pick. Um, but Mike Conley, Western Conference Player of the Week. Thank you, Conley. Because of that, I lost in fantasy basketball this year because I just couldn't do it. I couldn't beat the freaking performances that Mike Conley put down yeah. this week. And put up a 40-burger last week. He did against a tough Blazer team as well. So Memphis, like I said, every year there's a team that ha- that's playing for absolutely nothing but ruins it for people who are playing for everything. And Memphis is that team that right was now. You. And that was that me. was you versus their fantasy your fantasy team. Exactly. Mike Conley uh, single-handedly destroyed my fantasy team and in real life uh, he killed the he killed the Blazers when they were uh, had a legit chance of catching OKC. Um, they beat Utah, and because of that loss, Utah's now dropped to the eighth seed. They beat OKC, who's now lost the third seed to the Rockets. So Memphis Man. is just upsetting things here left and right. Oh, playing spoilers fun, you got to admit. Yeah, I mean, some somebody always does it. Every year there's a team, like I said, place that's playing for nothing but ruins it for the teams <laughs> that are playing for everything. <laughs> so I guess this is just a big deal alone and that it knocked you out of fantasy playoffs. Uh, sure, sure, we can say that. <laughs> I was going to say forgetful just because, you know, it just doesn't mean anything at the end of the day. Well, it means something, but um, the, unfortunately it's not going to take Memphis to the playoffs. <laughs> no, not even close. Yeah. Andre Drummond, I mean, yeah, Detroit played really well, but same thing. They're not really going to climb anything they're not really going to climb in the standings, maybe to the sixth seed, but there's no way they catch the fifth. Yeah, yeah they're in the sixth seed right now, but that, that gap is really high. But, I mean, they got to keep winning to 
stave off these other mediocre East teams at least. And Andre Drummond's had mostly great performances. Yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of sucks. He's kind of flown under the radar this year. Uh, not much coming from him, but anyways, how about James Dolan kicking out a fan after they yelled to him, sell the team, uh, and then follows that up by banning them for life oh on the God. Madison Square Garden. You talk about sensitivity, oh, man. man. Talk about sensitivity Dude. here. Well, it's a, pow- he's a, it's a power move. He's like, I'm rich. I'm the owner. I can do whatever I want. What a baby, it, man. I, he's such a baby. I am not. I mean, I don't think there really is anybody out there who's a James Dolan fan, but... I mean, this is what I thought was so much more bizarre about this story. This story could have just died. Um, But then he comes back and bans the guy for life, jumps on radio, and on the radio he starts talking about how this all was just a conspiracy for this dude to film this confrontation and then turn around and sell it to TMZ. Um, He said the fans stalked him and watched his moves throughout the arena and planned it perfectly. I find that extremely (laughs) hard to believe. And so what, man? Yeah. So what? Just ignore him. You're you're the owner of the Knicks. What do you like? Just don't even act like he's not even there. You know, like why even acknowledge him? He's just trying to heckle you. And it's like honestly, you deserve it. But <laughs> at the end of the day, like just uh, yeah, him, put him and Serge Ibaka in the ring together. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like yeah, what's going on here, man? James Dolan. He's a Dude in his 40s, successful, multimillionaire, owns one of the biggest, the the biggest franchise in the NBA, is super offended by this guy claiming to sell the team. And yeah. maybe that was just the last straw in a string of bad, yeah. bad events that it's occurred just, for him that just, day. It's just too much pride, man. I mean, I saw a stat, or um, I saw some stats that said the Warriors make $3.4 billion a year. And the Knicks make two point nine billion. They don't even make that much less, and they are the absolute contrast of the Warriors <laughs> for decades too. For yeah, and it's like, dude, yeah, who, yeah, you could be. We have thirteen wins right now, and you are still now in a lucrative market. Like, good for you. Like, why, why are you dirtying your name like this? This is pathetic. <laughs> I agree. Um, how about Clay Thompson on that note of the Warriors calling out? Uh, hit the Oakland fans after the loss to the Phoenix Suns. And this is Quo. I know it's not the playoffs, but it is our last go around at Oracle. At least you can stand up or something when we make a good play, especially <laughs> in the beginning. We need that energy, especially this time of the year. It's hard to conjure up that energy every single night and uh, goes on and on. But basically the heart of this is the least wow. you can stand up or something we make a good <laughs> yeah, play. that's pretty funny. Stand up for some <laughs> clap, maybe. I mean, that's what you get, man. When you have that much success, Warriors fans just don't give a crap about your normal games anymore. Yeah. I mean, and, like, I don't even think they care that they lost to the Suns, honestly. Like, the fans are as, like, nonchalant about all of this as the Warriors seemed to be last year when we talked about how bad they looked at the end of the regular season mm-hmm. when they just looked like they were trying to coast to make it to the playoffs. And it's the same thing here, except now even the fans are bond is like, oh, we can just not give a crap at all and they'll still win. So whatever. Yeah, I think I agree. I mean, there's definitely frustration. I don't think they saw this loss coming. Um, but it happened, and yeah, it's, you just got to move on. I mean, he did. He apologized. I think yesterday he released an apology or something about saying this. But, I mean, part of it may just be – It's all, warranted. Yeah. <laughs> part of it might also just be – I mean, Warrior games are so expensive. Maybe you are pushing out <laughs> your passionate fans, like, in a way. 
<laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, I would say the same about Laker fans, but I've been we've been to those games, and that is definitely not the case. Yeah, people are taking they out are personal he- loans to go to these <laughs> <Yeah>. games. <laughs> That's how high. The and you, and it's is. in it's in the Bay Area, dude. You, you know how much money's in the Bay Area? I don't think any of these fans are really um, short on cash to go to a Warriors game. Yeah. So how about we go to the hot teams, man? The Houston Rockets just doing it, just figuring things out. Um, we, I mean, it seems so long ago when we were talking about this team sitting in 13th place in the West, and now they've taken the third seed from OKC, riding a nine-game winning streak, um, but just snapped right now just a couple minutes ago. They just lost to the Warriors, uh, but they're still holding on to that third seed. Um, impressive play from James Harden and Chris Paul. Yeah, and can't forget Clint Capella. When he came back, they became the sixth most defensive efficient team in the league. So that just goes to show how much he means for this team that lost Trevor Ariza, lost Mabamute in the offseason. Capella is really their defensive anchor. And if he's not in there, they're not stopping anybody. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, this just goes to show like the Houston is back to the way it was last year, which is exciting because at first it was looking like OKC or Portland was going to have to be the only competition the Warriors had to go up against. And now you're talking about Houston, and they just had a really close game against them tonight Mm -hmm. where it was only a two-point win at the end for the Warriors. And it had all the vibes of the conference finals last year, and everyone was fighting for this game. And it really meant a lot for all the players and all the fans. And it's really exciting. I'm glad the Rockets are back in it. Um, A three seed would mean that they they wouldn't play the Warriors um, until I think the conference finals again, if right. they both made it there. So that would be a pretty exciting rematch, I think. Yeah, so at this point, you'd have the Rockets versus the Clippers. That's going to be a gritty game. Yeah, Pat Beverly got something to prove. Yeah, so also on the Rockets. <laughs> Lou Williams, too. Yeah, not to go on. And Montrez Harrell. <laughs> you got, oh, yeah, they were all part of that package deal. But yeah. also not to go unnoticed, Kenneth Reed did a good job of hold, keeping this team afloat when Capella was out. Um, to help mm-hmm. them be in that, be even be in a position to to go after that third seed. Because for a while there, when Capella went down, it was like, oh, you know, the Rockets gonna fall back down to the eight seed or maybe even below that. But right, they stayed afloat. Yeah, they were able to make some desperate moves uh, around the trade deadline, and James Harden played at an MVP level. He's averaging eight points a game higher than anyone else in the league right now, which. <laughs> Just goes to show, like, what kind of a tear he went on. Like, I don't think there's been a gap between first and second for points leader like this in a really long time. I don't even know. That that would be a great trivia question. I'd have to look that answer up. Yeah, I mean, just there hasn't been many guys who have even averaged, like, over 34 points a game. Um, I think the closest I can remember is, like, that year Kobe and Iverson and LeBron yeah. were all averaging, like, like Kobe was averaging like 35 <laughs> and LeBron was like at 33. Iverson was like 34, something ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't seen scoring like this in a long time. I mean, he had that streak of 30-plus in a game for like, what, 30 games or something like that? Yeah, exactly. Then he had to face a quadruple uh, double from the Atlanta Hawks who snapped that streak of his. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so this other team, th- I think this is just more funny than anything. The Phoenix Suns. We're putting them as our second hot team this week. Unfortunately for them, they've won four of their last six. Um, Trying to get out of that top odds of getting Zion Williamson, it seems. 
And the wins they've gotten haven't just been over the Knicks. Their other wins came over the Lakers, the Warriors, and the Bucks. Wow. The Warriors and the Bucks. <laughs> How do you, as the worst team in the West, they beat the best team in the West and the best team in the East all in a matter of a week? Only one explanation the club scene of Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah where was that the rest of the year yeah i don't know maybe that's why they're such a bad team the club scene you know yeah right <laughs> yeah their coach finally convinced them not to go to the club yeah while the rest of the teams were going to the club yeah. but <laughs> i don't know but yeah it's just it's just crazy i mean i i like that they're still fighting i like that they're still trying to win games and they're succeeding in winning some of these games and staying competitive with some of these teams that should completely outclass them and you got to give some of the credit here to Kelly Oubre Jr., who's really kickstarting his career now in Phoenix. Um, didn't really get quite the opportunity in Washington off the bench. Now a starter for Phoenix, averaging 19.5 points a game, 6.5 rebounds, and 1.8 steals per game in the month of March so far. I wonder. And I was, Oh, go for it. Finish up. Uh, I'm, I was just going to say, I think he's going to earn a pretty penny this offseason. Oh, I think so too. But it's funny that you say... Um, you know, I well, I don't remember what exactly you said, even though you just said it 10 seconds ago. <laughs> but anyways, I, I'm just going to paraphrase. But anyways, it's funny to say that Kelly Oubre Jr. reignited his career by yeah. going to Phoenix. I mean, he might yeah. be one of the few, if maybe the only guy we talk about that way in this entire decade. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. I mean, you could argue Devin Booker's had a good career so far, but... He didn't reignite his career, though. Yeah, it didn't. It was not reignited. Like Phoenix is not known as the place where you go to make your career blossom. <laughs> yeah, um, and that is somehow the case for Kelly Oubre Jr., who was looking like a guy who might earn something like an Andre Roberson contract towards the end of free agency. Now is looking like a guy that someone might want to take a gamble on early and give him a nice Zach Levine looking contract. <laughs> I don't know about a Zach Levine. That's foolish. But it's foolish, but with all the money that's going to be flying around this offseason, I can see Kelly Oubre getting 20 million a year. Oh, it's going to be from the Suns, I bet. It's going it might to be, be from the Suns. It very well might be. <laughs> and then they have the exact same team they had lo- this year, next year. Yeah, so, including a, a rookie. Yeah, but <laughs> just paying exactly more for the exact same guys. <laughs> <laughs> gotta, gotta double down on yourself sometimes, right? Oh, my right? God. Anyways, <laughs> talk about disaster. How about the Detroit Pistons? I mean, good I was Lord. thinking this team was doing good, but then I, you know, I didn't have the short-term good memory here because they actually have been on a two-game losing streak. Um, it's just completely falling apart, really, after that string of good games they put together last week. Yeah, I I think we might have had them as a hot team last week. I can't remember, but they went on a huge winning streak to put themselves into sixth in the East. And then for some reason, I I feel like there's got to be some sort of underlying story to how this is happening right now. But the last two games, they've scored 75 points and 74 points. Even Which in today's NBA makes no sense at all. You have two superstars in this league in Drummond and Griffin and some really solid bench shooters, and you're going to score 75, 74 points? Yeah. Yeah, that's got to— It doesn't make any sense. I mean, even 10 years ago, that's a, that's a loss, most likely, if you could only get up to 70. Oh, it's never a win. <laughs> it may, Maybe it's a win when they counted baskets as ones and twos, but— <laughs> This is just 
I don't even understand it. So they've shot 31% from from the field combined in the last two games, including in the Heat game uh, just earlier today, 27% Ooh. overall from the field for the entire team. I don't know what is going on. Yeah. Hopefully something comes out. I mean... Like, this is a streak I've not seen. This Like... Not even the Memphis Grizzlies when they went on their cold streak to knock themselves out of any sort of playoff contention. They were not scoring this low of points. Yeah, and the thing is that Brooklyn Nets game was a big game for them. Oh, huge yeah. game. Yeah, the Nets are on the on the upswing now. They got Dinwiddie back, Levert's back. They're fully healthy. Yeah, you win that game and you have a one-game lead on Brooklyn for that sixth yeah. seed. But you lost that, so now you're behind. Yeah, and even the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat are in the eighth seed right now. And they're they're gonna look to move up in the standings. Also, it's like these are important games and these are embarrassing losses. <laughs> oh my gosh! I don't know what to say. I think it is what it is. It's Pistons are gonna piston, man. <laughs> Pistons are gonna piston. <laughs> Just when you think they've turned it all around. Yeah. How about Dallas? Six game losing streak. Losers of nine of their last ten. Second worst in the West. Six worst in the league. I mean. All going, all going according to plan, though, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think they were our sinking team last week. And, yep, continuing just to float all the way or sink all the way down to the bottom of the ocean here, the NBA doldrums. And I just got a feel for Luka in this stretch of his career because this is going to be a tough last uh, 10, 15 or so games left for him. Um, he just had the worst game of his career, I would say, against the Spurs, shooting five for eighteen of the from the field with nine turnovers. Uh, yeah, and yeah, this this team still got Tim Hardaway and Courtney Lee on contract next year, so the rebuild around Porzingis and Doncic is gonna take a little more than next season. Yeah, they gotta try to figure out how to get rid of that Tim Hardaway Jr. contract. It's gonna take creativity, but. I don't know. We'll see how it works out. But on that note, it's like Luka Doncic, like this must be weird to him. I mean, he just came back in Real Madrid. He was winning European titles, European MVPs. Um, yeah. And, now he, and he was even winning in the first half of this season. Yeah, true. And now he comes to America. He's in Dallas. He's gonna. He's about to get closer to the humidity weather days. <laughs> and he's losing basketball games. Man. Ugh. Our Cuban's got to yeah. protect this kid. He might end up losing him. Oh, snap. I know. That would be brutal. That's a hot take, but we'll see. We'll talk yeah. about that three we'll years see. from now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to the best performance of the week, and I really want to highlight this first one, and I'd like to hear your opinion on it. I think <laughs> I'd be interested to hear it. I'm, I'm going with the Lakers G League squad in that Saturday game against the Celtics. So mm. that the, that G League squad consisting of Alex Caruso, Jonathan Williams, and Mo Wagner, who was their first-round draft pick in the draft this year. Um, the only guys besides LeBron not to have a negative plus-minus in that loss against the Celtics. All, all the guys have been playing all year. Did absolutely nothing. And these G League guys came, and they were the only ones that seemed like they wanted to be on the floor. Um, Caruso playing 30 minutes, 3 for 3 from the field with 8 points, 2 rebounds, 2 assists, 0 turnovers. Jonathan Williams played 29 minutes, 9 of 16 from the field, 18 points, 10 rebounds, and 0 turnovers. And Mo Wagner in his first NBA start, 7 of 13 shooting for 22 points, 6 rebounds, and 3 assists. You know what? It's just, these. how come the Lakers all can't play with this much energy and effort? I can't. 
I can't. It's not about the energy, man. These guys can come out and play with all the energy they want. They're just not good. And if we hang our head and give roster spots to guys who play with energy, then give me a jersey and throw me out there, man. <laughs> that's that's fair. I mean, it's not energy, but they instilled new life, it seemed, into a team that otherwise is one of the worst teams to watch in the league right now who continues to get nationally televised games. I mean, yeah, you got to somehow put guys out there that actually want to play and can play. That's the thing with the Lakers. This team's right. just breaking apart, literally, physically. So you got to get these guys in there <laughs> who are fresh off their G League season. I mean, but yeah. this is just crazy, man. Last year, we are just like dogging the Cavaliers organization for putting scrubs around LeBron James. Look at who he's playing he's just played with. <laughs> it seems like they're the ones that play the best with him. Yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's cool. I'm glad these guys had a good performance. But again, it's, it's smoke, man. It's smoke. It's Fabrice to hide the horrible stench. That is the Laker organization right now. Let's move on. Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. We need to stop. No lower Lakers allowed the rest of this regular season. How about that? Yeah, they're irrelevant. No more. They're irrelevant, man. Yeah, I will not put them in a sinking team. I won't put them in a best or worst performance for you. They will firmly be a non-factor in any of our podcasts. Okay, we can do that. We can do that. Let's see. Let's see how long we can last with that. I feel like some story's going to come along though. No, that we- we're not going to we're not going to talk about it, you know? Yeah. We're just going to say whatever. Lakers doesn't matter. All right. How about Trey Young, his first ever triple-double, 23 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists, and a loss against the Brooklyn Nets. Trey Young coming out here catching the NBA by scene. Um you know, he's trying to make sure that the Atlanta Hawks don't hang their heads on making that draft night trade uh, with him and Luka Doncic. Yeah, I mean, on the contrary, I think they're still really stoked about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he came out and he busted a little bit, you might think otherwise, but he's proven that he is worth the top five pick that he was drafted at. And that's got to be really exciting for the Hawks. Cause, I mean, if not this year, they will eventually get a pick from the Mavs that's in the first round and you're talking about a guy that could potentially be as much of a franchise cornerstone as Doncic. I still think the jury is out on who will be the better player by the end of their careers. Doncic has the lead now, but Trey young is able to put up triple doubles as a little, I don't even know if he's six foot point guard. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, (laughs) it's pretty impressive. Let's see where it keeps going. How about Pat, your boy, Pat Beverly here. Yes. Pat Beverly putting up, what I mean, some people might not argue this is the best performance of the week. It's the best zero point performance I have ever witnessed um, okay. in my years watching the NBA. So his, his stat line was not impressive at all. It was zero points, seven rebounds, six assists with a steal and a block. But on the defensive end, he held Paul George, six foot eight Paul George. And six foot one Pat Beverly guarding him held him to five of sixteen shooting, five turnovers, and fouled him out <laughs> in route of the Lakers beating the Thunder I, earlier this week. I always love Patrick Beverly. He just has that signature <laughs> look where he puts both hands up in the air and he's just like he's got this look like I'm not doing anything. And yeah. when he uh, He's such a bulldog. Yeah, man. he's just like bulldogging the hell out of players and just Putting them to the point of annoyance and complete frustration, and 
It's what he did to Paul George here, and it's not he's not the first guy. I mean, I got to think Russell Westbrook hates the Clippers or like oh. Pat Beverly. <laughs> like, I think his two worst, yeah. his two, the two things he hates the most is the Utah Jazz um, and Patrick Beverly. <laughs> Utah Jazz. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and Patrick Beverly makes a villain of himself. He He thrives off being the guy that people hate. He loves it, and he loves guarding guys like LeBron, guys like Paul George, that he should have no business guarding as far as physical attributes are concerned. Yeah. But he throws that all out the window, and he proves everybody wrong. I, and this was an amazing performance by him. I wonder if OKC is just like, you know what? Let's get the sixth seed. Let's play Houston in the first yeah. round. We don't want to play against Utah, and we don't want to play against the Clippers. Yeah, let's just play against Houston and get it over with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, how about this guy, Jalen Brunson? You put this guy on here. Who is this guy? Yeah, yeah. So do you? Uh, yeah, I guess that's a good question to ask. Who does Jalen Brunson play for? Alan? In a loss against the Spurs, does this guy play for the Bucks? No. <laughs> so he plays for the Mavericks. He is a rookie for the Dallas Mavericks. Um, in that same game where Doncic had nine turnovers, he stepped up and tried to at least keep it close. Um, in his 37 minutes played, 12 of 16 shooting for 34 points, a career high for him, along with five rebounds and four assists for this man, Jalen Brunson, who was a pretty unheralded rookie, um, but had a pretty good career in college. I forget where he went. Maybe you're looking that up right now. Yeah, he went to Villanova. <laughs> He's a Villanova, Villanova. guy. Villanova, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, great school there. Um, great career at Villanova. And, you know, he's proving that he wasn't just a – Peaked in college player. He can play in the NBA, too. Yeah, that's a good performance. I'd never heard of this guy. Maybe I heard his name watching the tournament all those years ago. Um, so he's 22. Yeah, so he was a second-round yeah, pick. I think, yeah, he, he, I think he sticked around three or four years at Villanova before um, going into the draft to increase his stock a little more. Yeah, okay. So we'll see where he develops. Let's go through the worst performance of the week here. Jake Lehman, 16 minutes, 0 for 3, <laughs> 0 points, 1 rebound, 1 assist. One turnover, but four fouls, and the loss against yeah. OKC. I saw somebody Whole pick and drop him in fantasy basketball, and I was like, why? <laughs> Who is this guy, Jake Lehman? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he has had his moments off the bench for Portland where, I mean, like every other Portland bench player, they have one good game, and you think that they're going to be like the guy that finally off the bench for them that does something, and Jake Lehman's just one of many. One of the many Nick Stauskas's, um that's on this roster. Yeah. And talking about Drummond, uh, 24 minutes, one for three, five points, nine rebounds, and five turnovers and fouling out and that ugly loss against the Heat. Yikes. This this might be the worst game of Drummond's career. Yeah. Five turnovers and you fouled out and you're one for three from the field. And for a guy like him, nine rebounds is actually not very good. No, I mean, this guy gets like 15 boards a game. <laughs> yeah, so, man, I've never seen, like, who was bullying? I mean, I wish I saw this game. Who was, was Hassan Whiteside really dominating him that much? Kelly Olenek, man. Kelly Olenek, <laughs> Bam Adebayo. Yeah. Just taking it to most a year's all-star Andre Drummond. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, though, I mean, come on, Pistons, you got to feed the the big man, the ball, one for three. Yeah, how are you not able to get Drummond the ball more, man? Yeah. How about Josh Okogie? 23 minutes, 0 for 4, 0 points, 2 rounds, 1 assist, and 2 turnovers in the loss against the Denver Nuggets. This guy at times looks like he's he could be good for the Timberwolves. I just I just don't know why they're starting him right now. He is not starter-worthy yet. Well, I mean, you still don't have a... 
I guess Andrew Wiggins was hurt. Yeah. He still but Sean yeah. uh, what's his name? Why am I forgetting his name? Rashawn Holmes? No. Rashawn Holmes is a player. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's I don't know if it's the one you're talking about. Yeah, I don't think it's Rashawn Holmes who I'm thinking about. Robert Covington. Well, it's just Andrew. Oh, yeah, Covington's hurt too. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's why he's still there. Yeah, but Josh Okogie, he's not ready to start in the NBA yet <laughs> is what I'm getting from this. Yeah, he's put some performances together. Not, he's not got some explosiveness. Most, most of what I've seen of Josh Okogie tells me that he needs to figure out how to finish still because he drives to the basket at lightning speed and then just misses the layup every time. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of becoming a recurring theme with a lot of younger players, just no fundamentals. Yeah, they need to take a page out of Lou Williams' book for how to finish at the rim. Yeah, or how about this, just to close the, the podcast up, final thought, the Wild Wild West race that we thought was going to occur back in the summertime, heading into this point of the year, I mean, is it over? Is it worth the hype here? I mean, Utah's at the eighth seed holding a four-game lead on ninth-place Kings, and the Kings hold a two-game lead on the 10th-place Timberwolves. So just like that, with 15 Mm. games left, it looks like one through eight is essentially already decided. Um, So what a way to go from what we thought was a 14-team race to basically already over with just only eight teams remaining. Um, so basically to summarize the Timberwolves blew up from inside with the Butler scenarios that occurred Mm -hmm. the Lakers literally physically (laughs) broke apart like they just broke the Pelicans figuratively broke apart with the Davis spiritually (laughs) and the Grizzlies well they were just never really good enough Yeah, and the Mavs just decided to tank the rest of the season. Right, the Mavs <laughs> just threw the the towel in. Um, so what do you think, Sean? Was this worth the hype, you think? Or, or did we just kind of hype it ourselves? It was a good run for about a quarter of the year when all 14 teams were looking really good. Um, and then when it got into the new year, things started to unravel. I mean, that'll happen. There's so many variables that go into making a successful NBA season and I mean, we're looking at basically like a half-and-half situation. Half the teams were able to weather the storm, and the other half just couldn't keep it together. Right. Um, It it is a shame that it does seem so set in stone now and that the Kings aren't closer to make the race, at least a race, Mm -hmm. at the end here. I mean, they still have a a slight chance, but, I mean, I don't see any of these teams falling off to the point where the Kings would be able to get themselves in it, and they'd have to go on a heck of a a run themselves uh, to even get back into the conversation so it's too bad but i think the eight teams that earned it this year or that like deserve it the most are gonna make it in so i'm not sad about it yeah who would have thought that it wasn't the lakers who would have made it but it was the team of just across the locker room there (laughs) yeah just (laughs) across the staples center and you know what they earned it man they didn't whine they just played hard basketball played as a family um weathered one of the weirdest trades that i've seen <laughs> yeah um made some great moves and yeah there you go the clippers the surprise team of the year no one thought that they would be the playoff team um and there they are yeah and they also didn't break they're not made of uh play-doh like the lakers seem to be <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah well thanks everybody for tuning in and with 15 games left uh, we only got a couple more episodes left to cover the regular season, and then we're right into playoff mode. So don't forget to check us so out excited. week in and week out and subscribe to our podcast. Yes, sir. Have a good week, everybody.